Welcome to a special edition of the Truth of the Matter is podcast. I am your host, Jonathan, and I'm here with our special guest. But before we introduce and welcome her inappropriately, let's begin by appreciating and recognizing all our new and consistent listeners. We thank you all in advance for continuing to press play at your own convenience. Now, if you're a first-time listener, we want you to know that the Truth of the Matter is podcast is all about providing an honest, contextual, historized, and philosophical and psychological view of the Bible, while sharing some personal experiences from myself and Daniel. We believe in applying God's word to everyday life. Today, we will praise God for another new testimony that you will hear. We hope after hearing this woman of God and her journey, that you will be encouraged and uplifted. We hope that also how an encounter with Jesus Christ will guarantee that your life will not be the same. Now, without further ado, let's invite our special guest in, Sue Correll. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks so much, Jonathan, Jonathan, for having me. And for all of you listening, I just appreciate y'all being here. Okay, so before we get started, what would you say are the three things that you thought about this morning as you woke up? Well, first thing I thought of is, why is it this early that I'm waking up? <laughs> but the wonderful thing is, I think it was God, because I had three hours in the Word, and that was so encouraging, and He had me really focusing on being His daughter, and He took me to First John 3, 1, where He just talks about um, how great it is that He calls me a child of God. Amen, amen. All right, cool. Anything else that crossed your mind as you woke up this morning? Uh, that I was hungry because I just finished a fast. <laughs> okay. I'm so excited to have breakfast this morning. Got you. I'm like you. I, I usually wake up and I think reflection is important and prioritizing God is extremely important. I think doing that helps your day, you know, immensely. I think putting God first allows you to go throughout your day with purpose and with a desire to not only give him all the glory honor and praise but to do all things to the glory of god so i'm with you on that so for those who don't know who you are sue coral is an international woman conference speaker author mentor bible teacher she founded and directed of, of the crown and beauty international her greatest joy is being a wife to see women set free to live the powerful truths of who they are in christ and love of God. She served as a missionary for 25 years in Asia currently. She travels to minister to women throughout Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and the U.S. She's the author of several books and a, and also a host of her own podcast called His Heartbeat with Sue Carell. I think those are some amazing, like, some amazing things that you've done. If there's anything I can ask before we get started, was it like living in Asia for that long? <laughs> you know, I really felt a calling on my life from a very young age. I had relatives that were in China for years until they were kicked out. So they're obviously a lot older. But so then as I um, got into my 20s, I knew that God was still singing. I want you to go there. And so I finally made it there when I was 31. And I was pretty much there uh, for really 26 years you know, um, often on some other places, Philippines, China, Hong Kong, and raised my kids there. And, uh, you know, we, we just loved it. It was, it was home to us. And I've only been back since 2016. <laughs> so I feel like I'm still adjusting in some ways to 
to America, believe it or not. So, but okay. I, I miss I miss Asia, but it it was a wonderful experience. Thanks. Okay. Now, before we dive into more of your story and your testimony in regards to how you found Christ and how He has blessed you, and how He's walked with you up until now and how long you've been living, we believe first and foremost in prayer. So, if you don't mind, uh, bow your heads, close your eyes. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for another day. We give you all the glory, honors, and praise, not because of what you've done, Lord, but because of who you are. Let us not be remiss that your Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the creator of all things, the first and the last, and the one who's still to come. Lord, as we enter into, into today's discussion, we invite you into our conversation. You said anytime two or three or more gathered, there you are in the midst. So Lord, I ask that you open up all eyes to see, all ears to hear, all hearts to receive, and all minds to understand the impact that you can have on our individual journeys. Lord, you said that we should be musically encouraged by one another's faith. So Lord, we are guilty by association, and that association is with, is with you, Lord. Because Sue is a child of God and your Holy Spirit resides in her, I believe that you will speak through her today. So I pray that we all listen carefully and that we learn and that we leave with a different perspective about how your work impact us on all different levels of our lives. We live our lives on levels, Lord, and we arrive in stages. And Lord, I pray that all listeners will be inspired, motivated, encouraged by Sue's testimony. Therefore, Lord, all those in agreement, can you say in Jesus' name we pray? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, so let's get started. Where were you born and where did you grow up? Yeah, I was born in Philadelphia and pretty much you know grew up all around there and so we, we moved but it was more just locally okay and what would you say were some of your passions and desires and what did you want to do with your life as a at a young age what were some of your thoughts and ideas that you were leaning towards i was very into athletics and so that was my life for years i had a coach tell me when i was 14 if you work hard, you can be in the Olympics someday. So I worked hard, <laughs> Jonathan, and even went to college as a PE major and to, I was a field hockey player and a lacrosse player. I have basketball as well, but my bigger sports are field hockey and lacrosse. And so I purposely went to college. It was the top in the country. And sure enough, I made the U.S. team and, you know, kind of had the dream but then when I got on the road and I experienced it, I had become a Christian two years before and I was drifting honestly from the Lord at that point. And, you know, out there with all the spectators and we, we did the whole national anthem thing and I finished and, and I realized, okay, I, I, I reached my dream. Now what? You know, it just <laughs> was weird. It's like, I'm 19 now. What do I do? You know, yeah. and and I heard the Lord say, "You need to turn back to me." Mm. And so that's really a huge reason that I did. <laughs> My brother was home for the summer after that, which was just like a month later, I think. And he was raising support to go on a mission trip for a year, and he discipled me and he helped another friend continue the work after he left and really got me back 
on track with the Lord. Mm-hmm. So what gravitated you to athletics? Did you like the the desire to work as a team? Did you like competing? What kind of drove you and what made you, you know, explore sports in general? Yeah, well, I think from a very young age, I just had a lot of that natural talent that God had given me. Mm-hmm. And I always knew it it was just in me from him, you know, <laughs> I didn't take any glory in that, you know, you just know mm-hmm. God gave it to you. Right. Yeah. And so even when, even though I'm younger than my two brothers, I would be beating them in every sport. Wow. <laughs> and, and it's not like they're spazzes either, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it, I just loved it. I, it, it was so joyful, but yes, I was very much of a team player, still am, love the team thing. I mean, I would play tennis and stuff with girlfriends, mm. but what I loved is the whole being a team working together. Uh, mm-hmm. I would, as far as competitiveness, yeah, I definitely was competitive, but a lot with myself, you know what I mean? I just felt yeah. like I want to do my best. And if I did my best, I was happy. So I didn't love if we lost, but I honestly, we rarely lost in the teams I was on. But mm-hmm. if we did, I was like, but did we do our best? That, yeah. that was always a, how mm-hmm. I, I think my parents raised me that way, especially my mom. If you, you know, you're just to do your best. It's mm-hmm. not the outcome. It's yeah. in you. Yeah. yeah. So last question in regards to the sports. What can you say that you can take out of it that you actually apply to your everyday life now from being in that in the trenches and, and being competitive? Mm. Boy, I yeah, a positive and a, and a negative, but I learned from that negative. The positive would be uh, I learned a lot about leadership and I learned that a leader is a servant. A leader is an encourager. A leader is there for others to really build them up and to help them to be their best. Mm. The negative was, although I think God used it, is feeling like this is my whole identity. That, Mm. you know, I'm a jock, I'm an athlete, I'm the best, that kind of thing. (laughs) And, you know, I got to that place where I realized that these kind of things of the world should not be our end all. It should not be, you know, that I'm famous or that I'm number one in something or, but it should be God. And so I think he used it, honestly, Jonathan, as a starting point for me to prepare me to be a leader for Christ. But I, I don't think um, if I had stayed in that place that that would have really been where he wanted me. Not to say it's wrong to be an athlete if it's for the glory of God. Um, Definitely not. But for me, I was getting too much of my self-worth from that. Gotcha. So how were you raised? Were you raised Christian? How was it growing up? My dad was not a Christian. He is now, but he wasn't. And he didn't become a Christian until like he's around 80, I think. (laughs) Wow. But um, my mom was a Christian, but she worked. All the time uh if she wasn't in the hospital with me which is part of the story you know you'll probably have me share but uh so and she was a nurse so she was kind of working when she was helping me as well uh, but because of that she had to work on the weekends so that my dad 
could be with us on the weekend. And then when he was working, she was home. And he obviously wouldn't take us to church. I really didn't hear a lot about God. I got, you know, God wasn't a topic talked about just because even though my mom is a Christian, she was raised like this is, you live a good life, you love others, you serve others, but she wasn't raised to talk about her faith. It wasn't until I was in college that she really learned that when she switched churches. So um, that was not a journey I learned from home. It was something that I learned in high school from a friend, mm-hmm. teammate, gotcha. actually. I think what's, what was helpful is, is the passage, I believe, in Corinthians chapter 7 that speaks about one person in the family being a Christian still sanctifies the child. So you said you were one of two brothers. So it was you and you had two brothers. So yes. it was three of you in total. So I still think, you know, God's mercy and grace was still over the family because even though she didn't fully embrace the spreading and the importance of what it's like to live the Christian lifestyle, I believe his presence was still there and it was still acknowledgement there. And, you Absolutely. know, yeah. So that sounds pretty interesting. So I think what kind of, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on my show, because I remember reading your bio and it spoke about the amount of surgeries you had. I think I read it was 26. That's all. That is that is a lot. Can you dive into <laughs> that story? That 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 took a breath of fresh air for me. I'm like, you know, I'm always fascinated by what God does in situations that the average person that looks at that and they'll say, well, how can God be? in the midst of something like that, right? So I'm always fascinated and intrigued to hear a story like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to kind of learn about that process and how you got to this point. Yeah, sure. Well, I was born with a very severe cleft palate in which I had no nose, no upper lip, no upper palate. I had all kinds of like heart problems, breathing problems. I had speech therapy for 11 years. Uh, But what happened in the beginning is it was such a big hole, Jonathan, that the doctors didn't know how to close it. And I had a weak heart and they thought I would die on the operating table. So they actually couldn't figure out how to get food into me. And they told my mom, take me home to die. That if I stayed in the hospital, I would die there and it's better I die with my family. So mom did take me home. But as I said, she was a Christian and she prayed and God made it clear to her that I was his gift to her and that I would live. And so when she took me home, now she was a pediatric nurse at that hospital, actually. And she, by the grace of God, he just led her in making something out of all kinds of things at home, like a a toy mask and all these rubber bands and things from the hospital. And she found a way to put this mask over my face that I could have suction and I could drink from a bottle, even her milk that had been pumped. And she built up through that, it built up my strength again. And when I got to three months, I believe it was, uh, she felt like I was strong enough, took me back to the hospital, told the doctor who she actually worked for, it's like, you need to operate on my baby. I know that she's strong enough now. And so he agreed. He closed the hole the best he could. And, but it continued to, I had surgeries uh, for 15 years, 26. 
the great majority were from zero to five. And then once I started school, it was every summer. And wow. so it was, yeah, it was a lot for sure. Because mm-hmm. I know I complain about, I mean, the only surgeries that I've ever gotten that I've complained about heavily was just going to the dentist and having the anesthesia. I can't stand needles. That's just me. I, I don't like shots. I don't like anything. So, I mean, going through this, were you depressed? Were you saddened? Did you cry or were you always tough? Because I know you. it takes toughness to be, you know, an athlete. Mm. Did some of this toughness, you know, spill off into that? Like, where did you find your strength in some of these moments as a child that you had to go through it? Yeah, I'm going to say to my mom, in -hmm. fact, uh, she passed away September 26th this past year. And I did a podcast on his heart, on my podcast, His Heartbeat, called Leaving a Legacy. And it's all about how my mom really left a legacy of all that she taught me, you know, through her life, through her devotion to me and then to God that I now pass on to others. It's a beautiful episode if if your listeners want to listen to it. But she was there every minute. It was a Christian hospital at, it's still called Presbyterian University of Pennsylvania, but a part, it's a part of University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. But at that time it really was Christian. (laughs) And so, as she was a pediatric nurse, they literally paid her to care for me. Wow. And they, she didn't ever make money. It just paid for the surgeries and all oh, okay. that. But it allowed us to not go into millions of dollars of debt. You know, uh, again, she never got a paycheck for all those and all the other hours that she worked every weekend. She did double shifts. But she was an encourager. She was by my side the whole time. She would buy all these crafts and come up with fun things to do. And, and she just gave me that strength. Uh, One of the things that I wasn't allowed to do was cry at the hospital Mm -hmm. because I would have all these stitches, sometimes up to 150 stitches in my nose, my palate, my lip, (laughs) even a few of my eyes. And, uh, and so they don't want you to cry because then you could get an infection which would be hmm. very serious. So she, she would be, okay, honey, we can do this and distract me or, um, you know, help me to not be afraid. So that was really a godsend for me. So maybe it, I wouldn't say it taught me to be tough. Maybe it's in my genes too, because my mom's <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of that way as well. What the hospital taught me more was to be compassionate empathetic and also to value people no matter what they looked like what they acted like what the color of their skin was what the disfigurement they had uh, what their mental capacity whatever because i went through so much teasing and judgment just from my outer appearance before they ever give you a chance to know you that I just swore I'd never do that. And I was around children on the children's ward that, you know, they come in with two legs and they leave with zero legs, you know, and I just wanted yeah. to love on them that they wouldn't go through what, what I went through, especially once I started school. Yeah. So, you know, in first, first Samuel chapter 16, verse seven, it 
talks about how, you know, God doesn't look at the outward appearances, but he looks at the heart. What would you say during this period of time? How did you know God loved you? What was one of the things that validated that when you were going through some of these things? I can honestly say I didn't know that. Mm. Again, because it wasn't ever spoken to me. But what I did know is that my mom and dad loved me. My grandparents loved me. My aunts and uncles, my brothers loved me. In fact, if anybody teased me in the neighborhood, my brother beat them up. (laughs) (laughs) And my mom usually didn't discipline her for it. She's like, Mm. well, they deserved it. Uh, But I really learned that later in life. You know, from teenage years, I started to learn about that. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize in, in the book of First John, it speaks about let us not love a word or speech, but an action and truth. And getting that love, I think the two most important commandments, love your neighbor as yourself, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. People don't realize that the first commandment isn't to love ourselves. It's to love God first. And what God tends to do is he can love you through other people. Exactly. And I can imagine that your mom loves you unconditionally. Where were your, where was your father in the midst of all this? If you don't mind the accent. Sure. So my dad had to take care of my brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I was really in the hospital a lot. Um, but sometimes he's at work. So my grandmother took care of them. So on weekends I was mostly with dad, you know, mm-hmm. cause mom was working the hospital and he's fun my dad's really fun and he's he's athletic in those crazy kind of daring sports you know he taught Uh me to ski and um you know he flew airplanes i've flown an airplane you know that kind of thing so uh unfortunately though the stress on my family financially uh, he didn't make a lot of money. He had a good job. He owned his own photography business, but didn't make a lot of money. And the bills were still coming in, even though some things were covered by mom working at the hospital. That was a big strain, I think. And you can imagine with mom being so often having to tend and care for me that that I'm sure had somewhat of an impact on their marriage. Then mm. on top of it, my mom got a rare, it's not, well, somewhat rare disease. It's called aplastic anemia in which she had no red, white blood cells being produced or platelets. So she, for seven years, had to get blood transfusions every day. Wow. Uh, when she get to the hospital, they do it. And at times she'd be too weak and wouldn't make it. And so she'd have to stop at a hospital halfway and get that. Mm-hmm. And so that had a big impact on their marriage. And so in the end, my father left her. I felt like at the time he was leaving me. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I didn't, you know, as a little girl, you don't quite understand it. And we still saw him on weekends. He still was wonderful, but it was, it had a big impact on me. I think how I viewed, it affected how I even viewed men. It affected how I viewed God for a little while. And that fear that maybe God could leave me, but we mm-hmm. know in scripture, he says, I will never leave you in Hebrews 13, 5, nor will I ever forsake you. But I didn't really come to understand that until I began to be discipled. Okay. So tell me a little about, tell me a little bit about this friendship that you, you came across and how much she's been a blessing to you and how she kind of led you to Christ. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yes, yeah, so there were two gals on my uh, teams. They played every sport like me in high school, and they were a year older. So you know how you are. You always look up to the kids that are older on the team. And uh, the one gal was actually always a captain of every sport, very good. So we all went to hockey camp in the summer and up in the Poconos. This gal, the two gals came into our cabin and they shared the gospel to all the kids in the cabin. And I was in there. I was taking a quick nap before I had to go out in the field again. And I, that was very brave of them because we had a lot of Jewish girls on our team. And they were, they admired these two gals, so it was fine. So it's the first time that I heard the gospel, but I, for some reason, I, I didn't really... Mm, I pretended that I wasn't listening. I'm not mm. sure why. I can't really tell you. I just remember I heard it from afar. I wasn't really processing it. But a couple months later, I was studying advanced biology and learning about the complexity of the human body. And even though they were talking about evolution and all this, I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't <laughs> buy it. I mean, there's no way that we all originated from this one cell and the tree and the monkey and me have no difference. And, uh, and I, I knew that somehow innately that I was uniquely made somehow and I was outside and I'm, and I, you know, only prayers that I'd ever said was at the dinner table. And before I went to bed, I had like a set prayer, but at that point I did, I was thinking, I wasn't really praying. I was thinking, I wonder, what it's all about like i must be different than this tree that i'm looking at and i heard the lord for the first time speak to me saying the answer is god the answer is me and i was like whoa i was so profound it was not in my own thinking that i hopped on my bike and i rode up to my friend's house i knew where she lived and and i said tell me about god Mm -hmm. And so Kathy shared the whole gospel. She used a track, the four spiritual laws that Campus Crusade for Christ put out that I ended up becoming my who I worked for for 41 years now. <laughs> huh. um, but it was really eye-opening, you know. Uh -huh. And I, I didn't mention this, but actually my mom is a preacher's kid. <laughs> uh -huh. So my, my grandfather and grandmother... Um, Grandpa was a pastor for 45 years at a church um, in Philadelphia, in Lansdowne. And that had an impact on me. Again, I don't know that they ever clearly talked about how I could receive Christ in a personal way. I feel like that came about in the 70s. People started mm -hmm. to understand that and teach that. And and at this point, this was in 75, right? So it was right at the time, the movie that just came out, The Jesus mm -hmm. Revolution. I was like, oh, I relate to this because I think I was impacted by that whole right. movement of God. You know, it mm -hmm. was this, because those two girls that shared with us, they were touched by that movement and then they shared with right. us. So not to blame there for my parents, but like you said, the Bible lets us know that you know, God has this blessing on families, you know, that know God. Mm -hmm. And definitely, I, I, as a six-year-old, would line up all my stuffed animals and preach to them. I didn't <laughs> know how to do it. I didn't know anything, but my grandfather had given me a Bible, 
no one ever read it to me, but I open up the first page to Genesis one, the creation story, and I would mm -hmm. read it to all my stuffed animals. And I did it a lot. It was mm -hmm. like God was preparing me to be a preacher of the word. Okay. So talk a little bit about once you once you heard the gospel message, I know you mentioned was it an audible voice or was something within you that told you that 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 it was God at the time when you heard it? It it was not audible. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, maybe that happens for people. It, mm -hmm. But it's in your mind, and it really is the Spirit of God. And it it's so strong, and it's not where your mind was going. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It wasn't something yeah. that you would, a natural progression of your thoughts. I was thinking mm -hmm. about science and what my teacher told me. And it, mm -hmm. it literally, the Lord literally, literally interrupted my thoughts and said, it's me. It's God. Okay. I only ask that and I always try to get the distinction because I know some people get this feeling that when a person says that they heard God, they think of some spooky, mystical no. experience. But sometimes innately it's something, it's their conscience, it's your heart. There's something that utters, you know, a portion of truth to you that makes you want to go and seek him in some fashion, right? And I always mention the Matthew 7, 7 verse, right? Asking you shall receive, seeking you will find, knocking the door will be open for you, or, you know, uh, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, right? There's always this need and this desire. And the NLT talks about keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on, which kind of points to this need to of continuation, which means that if it if you don't think you've heard anything or have listened and responded in one fashion, it doesn't happen at the first try. It's this desire that you have to continue to pursue in order for something to happen. So I'm glad that you were able to, you know, expand upon that a little bit more. So talk about some of the things you've done once you became a believer, were you into wanting to fellowship with other believers, your church? Uh, mm -hmm. Did you go to Bible college? You had touched a little bit about that. Yeah, so I did get into a youth group for two years, and mm -hmm. just because some friends had been in one. And that, I mean, it was good. It really was. But I went off to college, and they had told me that there was, they kind of lie to you when you're on those uh, interviews because they want you to come and they pretty mm -hmm. much did that. They lied. So <laughs> they told me that they're, Oh yeah, we have Christian groups and all that. And there really was very little Christian presence on the college. Wow. And I did go, to, I tried out one group, but I had like eight people in it and I just didn't click with them. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's yeah. Very different for me. And so I stopped going and I just kind of tried on my own but I didn't, I didn't really know much. I hadn't been discipled yet. I had, you know, just from the youth group, you learn some things here and there, but, and, uh, basically I, I drifted away because I became very lonely to not go to the campus parties and everybody went to the parties on the weekend. So there I am all by myself doing homework every weekend. And after three mm -hmm. months of that, I'm very extroverted. So I was like, okay, I'll go to a party and I just won't party. You know what I mean? I'll just be with people. But as soon as I went, this guy greeted me at the door and I had experienced so much rejection from boys growing up. Like 
teasing, mean, very mean things said to me. I was called dog face, ugly, all these things for years that I had a real fear, number one, of men, but also a longing to be loved by a guy, to be accepted by a guy, not to mention having my dad leave us didn't help, even though I knew he loved me, that's for sure. But just the act of leaving your family, you know, has a big impact. So when this guy who was good looking, senior, pre-med, you know, starts talking to me and he's like, oh, come on, come on, just have a beer. I was so afraid if I didn't, he would leave. And I just had that deep longing in my heart. And so I, I talked with him, but I wasn't a drinker. So it was didn't take long, maybe one beer. I don't know that I was like, I need to go home. So um, on, he said, oh, I'll walk you home. And on the way home, he raped me. Mm-hmm. And that obviously had a huge impact on me. I became very depressed. I felt like you blame yourself. You know, I shouldn't have gone with them. I shouldn't have had that beer. Da, 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 da. You know, you, you, uh, people who go through sexual abuse, unfortunately, the normal behavior is that you take some responsibility and say something that you did wrong. That's why that happened. And so they live in so much shame. And so I had so much shame. I wouldn't tell anybody. I became highly depressed, eating disorder, um, gained weight, everything, which affected my sports. That was not good. So that was a really bad time in my life. I began to drink as well to cover up the pain. I put had put my Bible away because I thought, I had messed up too bad. God could never accept me. So that was a false teaching, right? That we're, yeah. uh, that we think we have, you know, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says that we're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, not of our works that we cannot boast. Right. And, but yet yeah. I did not understand that yet. I hadn't had that teaching. And so I just thought I really messed up. And so God surely can't love me. And later, you know, I learned uh, from Romans that Romans 8 that, um, you know, that I'm a conqueror in Christ, Christ Jesus and nothing can separate, separate me from his love. But I didn't know that yet. Mm-hmm. So I it was just a really hard time. I fell away pretty bad and I went home in the summer. So this is after sophomore year. And that's when my brother was home, you know, and he brought me back to the Lord. And the thing that he taught me, Jonathan, that to talk about when you're saying, um, was it an audible voice and all that? He taught me about the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And Mm -hmm. I really oddly hadn't been taught that in those two years I went to church in high school. Uh, I never heard about the fact that when we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes within us. Yeah. And in Acts 1.8, it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses, you know, yeah. and, and then in Galatians 5, 22, 23 talks about how we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we will have the fruit of the spirit. And it, it also talks in that section that we can live by the spirit. Right. And then yeah. we won't follow the deeds of the flesh. And it lists them all out. And I've been doing those deeds of the flesh, you know, but (laughs) now I could see 
oh my goodness, I can rely on the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking my brother, like, how do I do that? And he says, you just pray, you know, and I'll pray for you too, that you just surrender yourself to Christ and you say, fill me with your Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit guide me and direct me. And Lord Jesus be Lord of my life. And so I, I prayed a prayer similar to that. And boy, did he answer that one. And <laughs> I, go back, <laughs> I go back to college and I actually had to go early because um, our uh, U.S. team happened to rent out our college to have a camp for high school girls, you know, a lacrosse camp, even though it was summer. But anyway, so I, I go back and have this camp and they put me in charge of the talent show. And I also was, uh, what do you call it, a dorm at the end, you know, all of us in the team, we got assigned a hallway and we had to check in on the girls, make sure they went to bed. Mm-hmm. So at that talent show, the Holy Spirit just gave me courage. And I ended up writing a song. I played guitar at that point uh, mm-hmm. of my testimony. And I shared it with the whole camp of 800 girls. And then that night when I went to every room to put people to bed, every single room was talking about God. It was so wow. cool. And my roommate talked to me that night and she received Christ with me. And that's how it took off from there. My Mm -hmm. two years in college, I started uh, a ministry that a guy on the football team that I used to um, party with, he had recommitted (laughs) his life to Christ. Mm -hmm. And we saw like 50 kids come to Christ, had this amazing fellowship. We, even though it was a small school, we talked to over 600 of the students on some level about the Lord. So it was a very exciting time. And in that time, I went on a mission trip on the, in the summer in between junior, senior year to the Philippines. And I showed the Jesus film. So even though Jonathan and I didn't know a lot about mm-hmm. the Bible, I was a really young Christian still. I've been getting discipled by phone from these girls that were up at Penn State involved with Campus Crusade for Christ. And they did a great job helping me. But I go on this project and I'm just the one that's running the, the video, what do you call it? The, what are these movie camera <laughs> back uh-huh. in the day with this other guy. And then on the breaks, when we're changing reels, we'd share our testimony, you know, uh-huh. we had uh-huh. four reels, I think for the Jesus film in the old days. And, um, I was amazed at how many people I got to personally share the gospel with. And then as a group, we saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds come to Christ that summer. And I was amazed. I thought, oh my goodness, like, I don't even know that much about Jesus, but already he's Uh using my life. And that's why I decided when I graduated to go into full-time Christian work. Uh I think some people don't realize that immediately when you become a follower of Christ, God can use you. Uh Even in your lowest points, right? We look at David and we look at I think what's so beautiful about the Bible is that there are different characters within the Bible that have flaws and that have sinned, but that doesn't stop God from using them in order to have people be drawn to him. So I'm actually fascinated by that. And I, and it also points to the value and the importance of of reading your Bible and, and getting to know his word, because once you know who you are, no one can stop you. No one can stop you for what God wants to use you in. And I think about the passage in Matthew where it says, let your light shine before others so that they may glorify your father in heaven. And it seems like the more and more 
opportunities that was given to you to step into a space to represent him as an ambassador uh, for Christ, it allowed God to utilize you and you were able to see so many different things happen in regards to the changing and them giving their life to him. So that's a fascinating uh, story hearing that. And now, so what would you, what drove you to want to go? Let's talk about a little bit about this. What drove you at these experiences to want you to go to Bible seminary? So I want to learn a little bit about that. Yeah. So in college, even though, you know, at that point I was already on the U.S. team, I'm playing for my college team, which did well, uh, had this ministry going on and I had options when I graduated, right? I could go to grad school. I was thinking about uh, recreational therapy, or I could be a coach at a university, which is kind of what I was leaning towards. But I realized that the thing that I enjoyed the most, and it was most fulfilling, was being involved, leading Fellowship of Christian Athletes on my campus. And so, and then that mission trip as well, and experiencing that, I thought, wow, there's just no greater thing than we can do than to introduce somebody to Christ and to begin to help them to grow. Now, mm -hmm. you know, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, not only says, you know, go therefore and, uh, you know, preach the gospel to all nations, but it also says to make disciples, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was really enjoying the girls and guys in our ministry who I was not only were we sharing the gospel with them, but we were then building them up in the faith and training them and teaching them to walk with Christ and then to help them to tell others, right? That whole mm -hmm. multiplication. And so I really had a desire to continue that. And by joining the staff of Campus Crusade for Christ, I was then assigned to a campus now, I wanted, believe it or not, uh, Jonathan, I wanted to go to China first, mm. right off the bat. But at that time, the doors had just opened, like just opened. <laughs> and so mm. there really wasn't anything going on yet, you know, and yeah. it, it wasn't terribly safe either. It, things were still under a lot of security surveillance. So, uh, the organization said, well, in the future, you can do that, you know, got to uh -huh. open that door. But for now, we're going to send you to University of Hawaii, which I huh. didn't complain about, um, <laughs> <laughs> because it's all Asian, you know, uh -huh. and there is a white population there, but it's predominantly military. But the university is predominantly uh, Asian culture. And it was perfect training. God knows what he's doing, right? You follow yeah. his will. Uh, you pray, you ask him, and he'll reveal his will. You probably can rattle off that scripture. I think it's in First John 5, but I'm not sure. And mm -hmm. uh, he did show me. And, and through that, I learned about all different countries in Asia and their cultures. I learned to eat tofu. I learned to <laughs> use chopsticks. I learned to take my shoes off at the door. I learned to understand to speak more indirectly, just a lot of things I learned that when the time came in uh, 1990, when God said, okay, it's time, I want you to move to Asia. I was very much equipped, not only culturally, but uh, spiritually. I had all another 10 years uh -huh. to be 
in ministry where I was growing. I'm in the Word every day. I'm at, um, leading conferences. I'm in conferences. Uh, Campus Crusade did a great job of, of training us and really making sure that we, we continue to be developed. And I saw a ministry grow. And so when I went to Asia, I really knew what I could do to really mm-hmm. help people there. Yeah, I think it's important because, you know, this passage in Colossians, it says, let your speech be seasoned with salt. So you know mm-hmm. how you ought to answer people. It just seemed like God was shaping and molding you into the person he needs you to be. And sometimes, you know, going through experiences and learning is part of the process so that you can be a good ambassador and representation of him. Yeah. Now, there's something I was curious to ask. While being in Asia, did you ever, you know, experience some resistance to those who didn't accept Christ? And how did you handle that? <laughs> yeah, I did. I'm gonna, I realized I didn't answer your last question. I'll just finish it up. But I uh-huh. did go to, in the summers. Uh, we were encouraged to take seminary courses. So I did that uh, uh-huh. several summers. And then after I got married, my husband and I went to the Philippines to seminary uh, for two years. And then in my 40s, I came back in the summers to Philadelphia and got a master's in uh, Christian counseling. So okay, yeah. good. A little bit by little bit. That's that's yeah. That's that, so good. I, basically, yeah. I've been a student for over 32 years. I added it up, <laughs> <laughs> but I think we should yeah. always be a student of the Word, whether you're in yeah. a formal setting or informal. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah. yeah, so I just wanted to clear that up. But yes, okay. I had. It was pretty intense when I moved there. I was single and Mm -hmm. I was in China and it was actually a foreigner (laughs) who was an atheist and she really had a thing about Christians coming and talking about their faith to others. Mm -hmm. Now we could not openly preach. I was respectful to Mm -hmm. when I taught my English core classes, I did not we were told not to talk about God. So Mm -hmm. I honored that. Um, I did let them know in the beginning that I was a Christian, which I believe we were allowed to do. Mm -hmm. But people, the Lord just brought people to me. They were initiated that, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I would. And we were definitely seeing people come to Christ and we were discipling them. Mm -hmm. So this, this one woman went to... She could tell that we were Christian. There was a group of us, small group of yeah. us. And it was obvious because we didn't, we didn't curse. <laughs> we didn't <laughs> complain. Mm-hmm. We were joyful. <laughs> we had clean fun. We didn't drink. Yeah. All, them were, all the other teachers would drink. They would sleep together. Um, you know, they were cursing. <laughs> they were complaining mm-hmm. about the culture. We were loving the people there. Yeah. So it was very obvious. We did shine uh-huh. what that verse you said. We did shine like a light. Yeah. And so she went to the authorities and lied about it. And she said, oh, uh, at that point I was a single, so different name. My last name was Darwin. So Sue Darwin is teaching all the freshmen that they must become a Christian or they're all going to go to hell, <laughs> which I never did, <laughs> ever. You know, mm-hmm. and I didn't even preach the gospel that way, period. You know, yeah. I talk a lot about God's love and his yeah. the eternal life he offers us. Yeah. But I did that one on one. So 
they began to investigate me without me knowing it at first. So they mm -hmm. held all my mail and my mom, she wrote to me every day. Mm -hmm. And so I suddenly didn't get any mail from her. And, um, there were just signs that were weird, you know, mm -hmm. people seemed more timid or afraid to, to like engage with me. And so finally a student came to me and said, uh, they came to our whole class and told us, don't engage one-on-one -on -one with you. Wow. Don't have conversations about Christianity or you'll get in trouble. Mm -hmm. So they were very bold to tell me that, you know, but interesting wow. people still were knocking on my door, <laughs> but only those that were intentionally wanting to know about God, the yeah. others were not. And so yeah. we we're still seeing people come to Christ. But then I realized I was being investigated. So we started meeting every day at lunch, our team. And we always we already had two meetings a week where we were praying. But now we met every lunch and we prayed together against spiritual warfare, against yeah. the enemy coming against us, like Ephesians 6 tells you to put on the armor of God, right? Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, it talks about praying for those of us who are sharing the gospel because, you know, um, the enemy is wanting mm -hmm. to come against us. Mm -hmm. So we're praying and that actually was after we started praying that way that people started knocking on our door and wanting wow. to know about Christ. Mm -hmm. Before that, they weren't. I was aware that what's going on, you know, people aren't hanging out with us. Mm -hmm. So we were actually seeing more come to Christ, <laughs> but we had to be incredibly careful. But the stress was high. You know, I yeah. loved it there and I didn't want to leave and I didn't want to get arrested, you know. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I was definitely feeling that anxiety, I guess I should say. And the Lord was just faithful to bring peace to my heart and guide me. And so I, I did feel from a guidance from the spirit within me that the wise thing to do was to talk to one of the, prof the Chinese professors who I was working for, I was editing his book. He was writing a book and in English and I was edit, editing for him. And he's actually, yeah. was kind of a famous guy there. And that's wow. why the university was, you know, they boasted about having this, this mm -hmm. writer. And so I told him that um, I was unjustly being investigated, that I had yeah. never done what was said of me that I wouldn't do that. I said, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a Christian, but I haven't preached at you. I don't do that. You know, mm -hmm. if um, I, I don't go up to people and do that, I know I shouldn't do that here. And, and so he went to the school and he said, leave her alone. Wow. <laughs> well, he had that authority and power to do that. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. that was it. The investigation dropped. Wow. So I know that was just the work of the Lord yeah. and answered a prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, the enemy was defeated, right? We yeah. can pray in Jesus name, right? <laughs> he says we can cast out demons even, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I think that's in Mark 16, 17, I believe. Yeah. And, and so that's really what happened. When we start <laughs> praying against it, then all the enemy's grip was taken off. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly this secular teacher who was part of the Communist Party, I might add, goes mm. to the authority and tells them to leave me alone. And they do. And I started getting mail again from my mom. 
I never wow. got that one month of mail though. Mm-hmm. Why did they get yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, sir. So many things come to mind. I think people don't realize that in the in the Gospel of John, chapter fifteen, when it speaks about you know they will know you are my disciples based upon how you love one another, and the fact that your expression of love was immediately reflective on the people around you, and even when there was you know people, a person that sowed a seed, we understand that the the farmer who went out to sow seed and how the terry t- attaches itself, uh, the, the root attaches itself to the terry as a disguise to know that, you know, no lie comes from the truth, but it only hinges itself because that's the only way that it actually exists. Right. And just, just thinking about what you're saying, you know, I thought about Jesus and one of the things when Jesus was on trial was that he didn't speak because the conflicting stories never lined up, right? In order mm-hmm. for a testimony to be validated, you need two or three witnesses. So just the idea of sowing that seed and, and them thinking that they will get you know, victory over it, it didn't change the fact that God maneuvered through the incident and yeah. you sat there patiently yes. and you waited on the Lord and allowed him to work things out. You didn't, you know, the scripture in Romans tells us Revenge is his; it's not yours. Amen. So you 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 taking your time out in Lamentations three twenty five, waiting patiently on the Lord, yeah. allowed him to work things. Let him fight your battles, and you letting him do that. And like you said, it's interesting. I, I know you know the story with the unjust ruler, when the woman said, "You know, give me victory over my adversaries," and in the midst of that, him who was unjust still gave victory right over for her and here you have a secular individual that has no say in regards to whether or not he believes it or not but spoke up for you so you 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 start to see how god can maneuver things and settle things and it still didn't taint the reality that people still drifted towards you and still felt that they had some sort of life and having a conversation with you so the devil can try all that he wants but we know in the end because all things work together to love the Lord, you know, call according to you know His purpose. Romans eight twenty eight. It it may not appear on first glance, but as things continue to unfold, God is working things out. He's preparing ways to you know destroy you know the devil and his wicked ways, and mm-hmm. you know grant you success in all that you do. So I'm just fascinated by the story because I you know I hear so many different things about people you know having resistance towards what it is that they believe God has called them to do. And so often people take it upon themselves to go do things. And, and interesting enough, in, in the Bible study that I've been having with my friend, we've been discussing Joseph. And one of the things that I laughed about was that Joseph, who was able to interpret dreams once he's in the jail, and he meets, you know, the two officials uh, that belonged to Pharaoh, and he immediately himself tried to insert what has happened to him to them so that they can tell Pharaoh to get him out of there. But guess what? It took two years before Pharaoh saw the dream again, which means God didn't prepare his exit yet. So sometimes when you're in the midst of, you know, dealing with struggles or periods and times, they're only there temporarily. But when God has a plan, these things are fashioning and developing your character and honing your skills and everything that's going on yeah. until God is making a way and opening a door that no man can shut and closing a door no man can open. 
So I I commend you for being able to not get aggressive, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, and yeah. allow whatever happened to you. To, yeah, we were still kind yeah. to that teacher. You know? <laughs> that's we that's were, amazing, right? <laughs> I mean, we were cautious, but we yeah. were kind to it. In fact, I'd say that we became friendlier to her. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. um, because we we knew God would be at work. And mm-hmm. yeah, when you're when you're sharing, like it doesn't happen in your timing or you know right away. Uh, that definitely was my experience because I went over to Asia as a teacher, right? Because you know I I um, found a group that was you know you can apply through organizations to go as a teacher, and I was 31 already. And the reason I had dated various guys in my 20s, but none of them wanted to go to China. And I knew that I was called to go there. And mm-hmm. so in the end, we'd, we'd break up, you know, because it's like, yeah. no, I've I got to go. This is God's calling on my life. So I was convinced, uh, Jonathan, that since God had not given me that person in Hawaii, that he must have him for me in, in China. Yeah. So when I got there, uh, sure enough, there were teachers in that group who were Christians. I knew I'd heard that. So I thought, oh, great, must be my husband to be. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. And so I arrived and there were two single guys that were Christian background, but they were 10 years younger than me. Wow. And I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> They're like right out of college. You know, as immature as you are at that age compared to me, I've been working for 10 years. And so I'm like, that's okay, Lord. I understand because I need to learn this language and I'm teaching and it's a lot. So I, I need to really focus. So I understand your your timing on this. So I was really patient that whole year. And then we we're going to get a new batch of teachers the next year. And I was like, okay, great. Here comes my husband. And we get a new batch, but it was two girls and a married guy. Wow. And I was going to be 33 by the end of that year, that means. And I want to have three kids. And I'd have to wait another year. And that whole, <laughs> and usually when teachers came, they only, they only came for a year. And then they <laughs> left. <laughs> and so I'm like this revolving door of friendships. And I got really depressed. Yeah. And I... I, what happens is when we have wounds from our childhood, of like in my case, my dad, the one man I can trust, leaving me, or as I perceived it anyway, even though in uh-huh. his mind he's just leave my mom, but in my mind it was leaving me. And, and at that moment, I just thought like God had abandoned me. Wow. And even though the scripture, and I knew it, said he'll never leave me nor will he forsake me i literally taught that hundreds of times as i shared the four spiritual laws it's in the four spiritual laws <laughs> so i had shared the gospel hundreds of times by then knew that verse but still the enemy takes those wounds and he just starts speaking into your spirit yeah you know and i and i just was like convinced that god told me to come here and now he left me and i'm yeah. stuck and so I got really depressed and I could not understand what God was doing. So I began to experience spiritual warfare and learn mm-hmm. what that was that I had never experienced before. I couldn't sleep. I lost my appetite. I got really depressed. 
um, I started to hear, not hear voices, but in my spirit, just, you know, these thoughts, thoughts that I don't normally think, Yeah. you know, really negative, bad thoughts, even thoughts of you should, and it wouldn't even be like me saying, well, maybe I should kill myself. It was like, you should kill yourself and I'll tell you how, and then you'll end this pain. Yeah. And I, I knew at that point when it spoke that way, that it was demonic, mm-hmm. even though I hadn't, believe it or not, I hadn't learned much about that. I just, sadly, I don't think the church talks a lot about that Yeah, in America. It's like, we're afraid to talk about, it, even though for Jesus, he talks about it a lot Yeah, and the, and the apostles talk about it a lot, but for some reason we don't. Right. So I yeah. didn't know much, but I knew this wasn't me and my whole team could see me deteriorating and the team of teachers that were Christians and they're praying for me. Um, and they couldn't seem to snap me out of it. My best friend at that point started dating the, one of the guys that was so much younger than me. Mm -hmm. So that just made it worse for me Mm because I lost her friendship. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know the language that well to have super close relationships with local people. So it was really a tough time. And, I just plummeted and finally one night I could literally feel the presence of darkness in the room and I was terrified. So I ran out of the room into the connecting room to my roommate fell on her. At that point I couldn't even speak. I was in such terror of the presence of these things. And, and she just began to pray and she's like, Lord, I don't even know how to pray. Will you lead me in how to pray? And he did. And she just, it's like, he just told her what to pray. And so she just um, prayed against spirits of fear to leave in Jesus name through, you know, it's always got to be in Jesus name through the blood of Christ and the authority that he's given us and boom, it left. And there was this peace, this beautiful peace Mm -hmm. and love that just came over us. And I felt it. I'm getting the chills even talking about it. I literally just got chills. I just felt the power of God, the presence uh-huh. of the Lord, the love of Christ. Yeah. And I knew that he'd been there all along, but that I needed to learn this lesson, that I needed to know that there's an enemy and he's very real and that Christ has given us authority because we know that the disciples first went out and tried to cast out a demon and they couldn't do it because yeah. they didn't do it in the authority in the name of Christ. And God had to teach me that so that I could have a ministry in very uh-huh. dark places like Uganda, yeah. like Lebanon, like, uh-huh. you know, um, all these places that I go where um, there's such a demonic presence. And even here in the States, right? Uh-huh. Even when you're praying for somebody who's um, trying to get free from drugs, yeah. you know, or whatever it is you know the enemy can really take havoc in their mind and to know that in the authority of christ i can silence that and i Uh can command all those spirits to leave and and um for god's wonderful love and his holy spirit to come in and just really um, fill them with that peace And so as a result, I launched a ministry, you know, after that, where I now teach through Crown of Beauty International, it's a ministry I started, where we 
help women understand and, and guys understand uh, about the word, the power of the word to replace those lies, as well as through prayer and the authority Christ gives us to bind that work of the enemy and to reject those lies and to take the truth of what God's word says and be healed. Amen. Amen. I agree with you, man. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about, those moments and those time periods when you're, you're fighting against your flesh, you're warring against your flesh, and the devil is, is you give him a foothold, he comes right through. You're, you're in some deep trouble <laughs> trouble yeah. then if you're not if you're not reading God's word and you're not replenishing and renewing your spirit every day and re- and repentance and you know fellowshipping and those sort of things you you start to drift away from that or you start to doubt starts to creep in you start to you know lose faith and you have nothing fueling you it's it's definitely a tough period and I've had some of those sleepless nights right I think sometimes we don't Think about the pastors in Thessalonians where it says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Come to me and cast your anxieties upon me yeah. and I'll give you rest. Because these this spiritual warfare that you're speaking about is very true. Mm-hmm. It's very realistic. And, you know, we have to learn that sometimes it's a war of words, right? The quality you're thinking yeah. determines the quality of your life. A lot of people don't realize the battle starts up here. It starts in your mind. Right. And the devil's attacking your mind. And, and I used to say this and I used to tell this to a friend. One of the reasons why I had such a passion for studying God's word is I I visualized this, this idea that I came up with. That if I were put in a coma, but I was well aware of everything that was going on around me, I was just paralyzed. The only thing that's going to inspire me is it's what you know, what have I done or what have I read to encourage me in that period of time? Mm-hmm. And what you mentioned about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit brings things back to your remembrance. Yeah. And one of the things I spoke about on my podcast is filling up, you know, fill up your jar. And what I meant is scriptures, you know, stories in the Bible. I would read them over and over. I would memorize them. And one of the reasons is because I believe the Holy Spirit would bring it back to me when I need it the most. Amen. But how can the Holy Spirit bring things back if you're not reading anything? Right. If you're not fueling that that space where God can speak to you through these stories and these testimonies. And that's the real importance of understanding yeah. these stories, John you know. 832, one of my theme verses, you shall know the mm-hmm. truth and the truth shall set you free. Amen. And it was yeah. Jesus who said that. Yeah. So I, I agree with you, man. Those are some hard realities. And people don't realize just because you're saved doesn't mean you're safe. You're protected. Your salvation is protected. But right. that doesn't mean that you're not on fire and that the devil doesn't think that he can turn you or that he can he can get you to doubt God. Right. Mm-hmm. And those who don't know, read the story of Job. Right. <laughs> Everything around him was being taken away. And we learn, I believe, in verse 18 or chapter 18. That what he does is he tears his clothes and he doesn't resent. In spite of all that's happening around him mm-hmm. and the bad news that's coming in troves, not just in one instance, but every bad news that came, multiple things happened at the same right. time. So we have to understand that, you know, in life, you know, we're going to be tested. You know, we're going to experience, you know, tribulation. We're going to experience mm-hmm. these things, but we have to be a good cheer for God has overcome the world. And we have to know that if, if he came for Christ in the wilderness, he's going to come for us. 
in a period of weakness and in a period of thinking that, uh, you know, we're thinking low of ourselves, but we have to stick together. We have to stay in prayer. We got to be mutually encouraged by another one another's faith too. So sometimes that even means going to a friend and asking them to pray for you, right? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And we have to believe yes. that prayer doesn't just change things, but it's one of the weapons that we have to elevate our minds in periods of time where we think, you know, that what's going on is permanent. No, it's just temporary and it's trying to create doubt. Mm-hmm. And we got to know that faith has to overcome you know, yourself, your faith has to be utilized so that you can overcome those moments and times where we think that there's no hope, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah my most recent book is called Broken but Undefeated, and wow. it's a study of Hebrews 11. A nice. A devotional mm-hmm. study of all the characters, because you brought that up earlier, including Joseph, yeah. all these guys, right? And, mm-hmm. and what we learn from each one about faith, it's like a unique lesson that we can learn. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. might be a devotional that we pick up on. You might, might want to pick up on Amazon, Broken But Undefeated. Mm-hmm. That's that that's great. Because I, I was thinking of, of Romans 5, 3, 5, rejoice in your suffering because it produces perseverance. It produces mm-hmm. character. It produces hope. Hope doesn't put us to shame because the Holy Spirit's been poured out onto us. So that's amazing. I, I always, I love that text in, in Hebrews 11, especially from verses 32 to 40. And people don't realize like, hey, uh, you know, the whole, I, I call it the whole of faith because you have all these individuals yeah. that are going through things. And some people don't realize like God didn't promise that because you have faith, things won't happen. I always say faith, you have to be in a conviction of your faith, not in a preference of your faith, right? Conviction is something you believe no matter what. A preference is something that changes based upon new information. And here you have individuals that understand that they're going to be tortured, that they're going to be sold into two, that these are things that are going to happen, right? (laughs) And I think we're so, and, and I think having you on is so amazing because we're so caught up some of us and what's going on in America that we don't see that, Hey, you're protected in the United States here. But when you go out, it has to be a conviction that you might die <laughs> for what you believe. Right. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, and, and I think we have to remember what, what Jesus said, you know, fear, not the one who can take your body, but fear the one who could take your soul and your body. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and sometimes the circumstance the question is going to be under those dire circumstances that you might be under, is your file, is your belief in pro, your proclamation in Christ going to remain a conviction or is the circumstance going to change how you feel about your Lord and your Savior? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so speak a little bit about your, your, your ministry and, and where they can find you and your books and all those great things regardless yeah, of what you've been sure. able to do. Yeah. Uh, so I have a nonprofit called Crown of Beauty International. So our website is crownofbeautyinternational.com. And on everything is that, the Instagram, everything is that, uh, email, Gmail with that, Facebook. Uh, so you can go on Amazon, see all my books. So I have uh, eight, eight, I think, but wow. six, six are uh <laughs> six different books and then our 12-week bible study it's my favorite it's a discipleship book really uh called crown of beauty that's where we got our name from it's a 12-week study that really helps people to 
dig out what are those lies that they believe about themselves and God and what does God's word say is true about them and true about him. And it's very transformational. And so we have it now in seven languages on Amazon. It's in English, Spanish, French. But if you need Arabic or Bengali or Chinese or Korean, um, you can email me at crownofbeautyinternational@gmail.com, um, and I can send you a digital copy of that. But yeah, it's been very amazing to see how God has used that around the world. Uh, and our men's version of that is called More Than Conquerors, taken from Romans 8. You know that, Romans 8. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm blanking on the, the first, but anyway. 28, yeah. Yeah, yeah thank you. Um, so yeah, go online and love to have you uh, be touched in this way by these mm-hmm. materials. So I think I didn't ask you this. How many languages do you speak? I only speak English and Chinese. Yeah. Oh, okay, so Chinese. I was yeah. like, yeah, going to these places, you know, it's it's yeah, important I have that to you get translators. Yeah, I'm actually. I mean, I had to work hard to <laughs> get to to learn Chinese. It took me years, so I'm wow. not a natural language learner, but. You know, God can use you wherever you go. People can, you know, have translators. Mm-hmm. I take people on missions trips. If you're interested to go with us, we'll train you to be a small group leader at these. And um, we'll have a translator there with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we reach out to uh, Syrian refugees all over the place. So mm-hmm. uh, feel free to contact us. Go on our website and you'll see a contact button to mm-hmm. crownofbeautyinternational.com. And I also have a podcast. So it's called His Heartbeat Podcast. comes out every week. So love to have you on there. Okay, thanks. I, I would most welcomely take the invitation. So where can these people find the podcast? Uh, everywhere. Everywhere this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's usually what I try to say. Yeah, everywhere I mean, this podcast. It's on, as yeah. far as I, you know, all the main mm-hmm. ones, it's on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just talking to a friend the other day about the Chinese writing. He was like, man, oh, <laughs> the so strokes. Cool. Yeah, that, that. I never got too complex. far with that. I got up to 3,000 <laughs> characters, and then if you don't use them, it's gone. Wow. And and you, you can't get very far with 3,000. So uh, the average Chinese person learns, what is it? Mm-hmm. It's like 50,000 characters. You need over 20,000 to be somewhat literate, so. <laughs> I, I just more learned the speaking of it. We learned the mm-hmm. romanization of the characters, like the sounds. And so mm-hmm. I would write that way, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Let me bring up one more thing also. You know, I'm a big proponent of, of hermeneutics and, and studying God's word. And one of the things that I, you know, emphasize here on this podcast is the importance of the original language. And I know you spoke about a particular passage in Psalms 131, mm-hmm. I believe. Can you touch a little bit about that and, you know, share with my audience why it's important? Because, you know, I encourage them sometimes. Some translations are great when it comes to speaking and sharing into the masses. So I'm a proponent of the Amplified. We're really an English standard version here, but we also look at the NIV, the King James, and understanding how those translations and also understanding the original language, where it's Arabic and Hebrew. Talk about the importance of that and why it's important to understand it when you're reading God's word. Well, I'll first tell you a cheat sheet. Cheat sheet. You go on your, you download the app, 
a blue letter Bible. Amen. We, yep. Yep. Right? I yep. learned that through my kids' school. <laughs> and um, I, I was on it today. I'm on it every day. So if you get to a passage, so that one example I'll give that was completely transformational in my life is Psalm 139.14. And it's where David says, I praise you, Lord, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I was reading through Psalm 139. I was already in my 30s. And I realized that 1 through 12, yeah, I was excited. You know, he's always there with me when I get my eyes up, when I sit down, whatever, he's there. And I was super encouraged. And then I got to 13 and 14 where he knit me in my mother's womb and I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. And I, I realized that I didn't believe it. And yeah. by, by that point, I had already been to seminary. I've been serving God for years. And, and I, I thought, I can't just not believe this, you know, that all of God's word is inspired and true. And I know that. And yet a lot of times what you know in your head versus what you know in your heart are two different things. And I realized yeah. that head knowledge hadn't gotten to my heart and that I still on many levels was rejecting myself my physical beauty, right? That I'm mm -hmm. not fearfully wonderfully made, that God had made a mistake, perhaps. Wow. And that was the awful revelation, but helpful. And so I pulled out that blue letter Bible <laughs> on my app and um, I pulled up the word fearfully and wonderfully. Because for one thing, I thought that's sort of weird. I'm fearfully made. That could you could think that's a negative thing. Like, am I scary? You know that kind of thing. And so when I looked at the Hebrew, because what it'll do is you click on the the verse, and then it, uh, there's a choice that you can choose the original language, and it'll give you like a dictionary basically for that word of the uh -huh. Hebrew. In that case, it's Hebrew, and obviously New Testament's Greek. And so I, I looked up the fearfully, and what I discovered is it's talking more about God, that I'm a reflection of God, of uh -huh. his attributes yeah. and his character. And so because, and it ties it to Genesis 1.26, that I'm creating the image of God. And so in that sense, I am beautiful because God is beautiful. Yes. And I'm, I'm talented and I, um, I creative and I, yeah, all these things, creative, yeah. all the things, right? Because God is that, yeah. and that's what fearful means. And then I looked at wonderfully expecting it just to say wonderful, <laughs> like yippee, but it did say that, but it also mm -hmm. said, um, that I'm unique. It also has the meaning in Hebrew of unique. So why it's important is because these languages were written to Old Testament to people that spoke Hebrew, the Jews who spoke Hebrew, and the New Testament in Greek, okay, and Aramaic. Aramaic, yes. So um, when they're hearing what the Apostle Paul's writing or what Moses is writing, you know, whoever David's writing, whoever's writing it, when they're hearing it, they're hearing it in that language. So though though I hear it, oh, I'm fearfully, wonderfully made, when, when it was written, right, by David, he's trying to say, um, 
you're created in the image of God. You're unique. There's no one else like you. And it's an amazing, wonderful thing. That's what he's yeah. hearing when he reads that. So when he hears that, he gets all this revelation that he's created in the image of God that I never got by just reading Fearfully Wonderfully Made. All I ever thought that meant is, um, yeah, God did a good job. You know, but but yeah. I but everybody else from my childhood told me he did a bad job, you know, yeah. and so I believed that, and the enemy told me that for years. So that's an example, and there are many, many scriptures. So today, as I was doing my study on being his daughter, and I I think I went to about 20 different verses using the Blue Letter Bible, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that app going to and what it also has is it has multiple translations yeah. so so i also would look at what how it's described in different translations and a new translation now is called the passion nice. and if you you look at it it's just it's not even all complete yet so right now it has the whole new testament psalms proverbs and they're now releasing one by one as they get it done and if you read the preface before it points out the writers really try to go to that original language, but they also describe it like how I just did in modern language. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so yeah, they would give the original language um, idea in how we would say it today. And so it's very intimate. I'm really loving it. And you don't yeah. have to just use that. You know, you can, I still pull out my NIV and you know different Uh ones with it Uh but it just helps you to get a much bigger picture of the meaning of that scripture yeah there's there's two that that changed my life in Proverbs where it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom I was like fear the Lord beginning of wisdom there's that word again yeah and then you look up the word fear it's reverence it's to have respect towards someone or something so he's like okay that clears things up and there was one that I was reading not a while ago, and I talk about you know all the time on the podcast when Jesus when Jesus said we are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. Salt means prudence. Prudence means godly wisdom, godly discernment, and godly judgment. So you have to understand that who we are in Christ. One of the reasons why you know salt is used to preserve something. So us as believers within the world, we are to preserve. Yeah. You know, God's message and who God is in a society that's obviously counter to what God originally ordained and wants. So we have to understand our value. And that changed my perspective as a believer. My job is not to convert the world, but it's to be an alternative to society, which mm-hmm. means that when society is prepared, they should be able to come to me or whoever the individual is to be able to come to me when prepared. And my life should be a living example of how Christ like I am you know, strive to live and therefore eventually that they will come and yeah. seek to learn and understand. So once you understand that your perspective as a believer shifts in terms of your approach to the life and, and how you intend to win souls for Christ, but you do it gently, you do it respectfully, you do it in a manner that's not aggressive, right? What we've learned in history about how, you know, Christians and the Catholic Church have operated in terms of or slavery, you know, what's happened mm-hmm. to Africans, that's not the message of the gospel. It's never been about that. And it's not 
you know, one side is for all who accept and believe him, you know? So those things, you know, those things start to change. And that's the, while opening and understanding these, you know, the original language, it, it gives you instant understanding. It gives you, I call it public revelation and personal revelation, right? The Bible's yeah. public revelation and a personal revelation is the, is the understanding and clarity. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing that, right? I yeah. want people to know it's not just me that's saying this. Like, no, you don't yeah. have to mm-hmm. learn. I don't speak Hebrew or mm-hmm. Greek. You don't have to go through all that. In fact, a mm-hmm. lot of seminaries, like the one my husband and I went to, they didn't make us learn hebrew and greek Mm -hmm. to get a master's in biblical studies they had us learn to use the tools yeah you know so Mm -hmm. i it quickly last example Mm -hmm. i was i learned the hard way that when i prepare to teach the word to go back to those languages because i was in china i was teaching zephaniah 317 and and i look you know in my bible it says that god sings uh, a love song over me and but in in the Chinese Bible it says they cheer he cheers loudly over you huh. and I was kind of bummed out because I'm like no I love the thought of him singing you know <laughs> yeah. and they're all telling me no he cheers yeah yeah, yeah, rah, yeah. like a football game you know uh-huh. and uh so I was like what in the world is the Bible not accurate? I didn't really think that. I knew the Bible uh-huh. was accurate, but I was like, why are they thinking that? So I went back to the original language and it actually means both. Wow. So when Hebrews <laughs> <laughs> both. Uh-huh. So now, so when I start teaching, now I teach both. You know, and I say he sings this love song love song over us and and he's cheering, Yay, Sue, I love you. Uh-huh. You know? And so even your teaching can become more uh, complete, you yeah. know, and it'll help if, if you do happen to go teach to somebody, even your neighborhood, but maybe they're a Spanish speaker, you know, and yeah. they have a Spanish Bible, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, understand that their translation might have a little different meaning and they might get confused. So just pop up that blue letter Bible, look at that originally, <laughs> and you'll probably find out that, oh, wow, okay, we put our two languages together. Because Hebrew is a very uh, comprehensive language. It's yeah. so much more meaningful and, and, and descript than our English yeah. language. Right? Love is five different meanings. So even oh when you goodness. learn that. Eight <laughs> different words. Yeah. <laughs> so we think we got it. There's, there's always more to explore yeah. and, to, and to find out. And. I want to say thank you so much for coming on. It's been an honor. I learned a lot. I hope my audience right. has learned a lot. And I'm just I'm just excited and thankful for your perseverance, man. That's that's mm-hmm. that's very that's that's something that needs to be applauded. And I'm glad, you know, God has brought you a mighty long way from where you were and and you know, thinking about the potential to not even exist, right? And we've we seen that in the in the Bible as well, whether it was Samuel who didn't know if he was going to be born, or Samson, we didn't know he was going to be born, and we find out that you're a miracle baby, and and God had a plan for you, and you're impacting other people, and sometimes we have to look at the value of people that haven't been born yet and what God has planned yeah. for them. They knew you in your mother's womb, Jeremiah one five. We we have to understand that we're all created 
for God's purpose and use as instruments of righteousness, not wickedness. So I want to thank you so much sure. for, for coming never on. too old. You know, I'm I'm starting a nonprofit and um, traveling to seven countries this year, and I'm 63. So there you go. You're never too yeah. old. So. Right? Moses was what, 81? Right? God yeah, can still I use you. God can still use you. Giving me that strength, and I try to be careful to take care of my body so I can mm-hmm. do more for him. Yeah. So, Truth in the Matters podcast will keep you in prayer. So, if you don't mind, can you pray us out? Absolutely. Lord God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, Heavenly Father, how much you do call us your children and all that comes with that that you're with us, that you protect us, that you provide for us that you dump your love and that you lavishly love us, that you pour your grace on us, that you've forgiven us, that you've given us eternal life, that you've given us every spiritual blessing, that you've given us the word of God so that we can go deeper and deeper with you and you fill us with your Holy Spirit that empowers us to live the Christ-filled life and empowers us to make you known to others and to disciple others. So thank you for today and I pray just your spirit to go forth in this message to just encourage and help every single person listening to know how much you love them and how much you desire to continue to transform them for your glory and and for their good as well and we thank you in jesus name amen amen